Uh, would you remain standing, please? How about that? I mean, I didn't have you sit down or anything, right? Let's just read this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the grace and the life that are in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken each one of us to, to receive that power and that grace and that life today. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, this is one of those uh, parables that I considered giving to Barbie <laughs> uh, or Kevin or somebody else, but I'm glad I didn't uh, as, I, as I was going. And the reason why was because there's some things in there that, I, that just kind of befuddled me, and it, and it got me to actually looking at, uh, at a question that I think might be worthwhile to address for just a few minutes before I really uh, dive into the parable, and it's this. Uh, what to do about the places in the Bible that you can't explain. Uh, have you ever come across a, a, a place in the Bible that you've gone, say what? Do you read the Bible? Okay. Yeah, if you do, you have likely come across, uh, you, you likely fairly often come across those places. And uh, there are a lot of things because this this 
parable clearly is about after now. It's about when Christ returns. And there are a lot of things I don't know about the end time uh, uh, and the literal, physical kingdom of God on earth. I used to know these answers. Uh, it wasn't that I forgot them. It's that I learned more. I learned enough to know that what I knew, I didn't know. I don't know who the Antichrist is. I don't know uh, when the tribulation will start. It may already be started. You know, there's not like, it's not going to be on, the, well, it is on the news, but I mean, it's not going to be, you know, oh, and in uh, other news today, the tribulation spoken of in Revelation just started. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. And if it, if it did, it'd be wrong anyway. I don't know when the rapture's going to take place. I, 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 I don't know who the 144,000 are. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know uh, what the creatures from the pit in Revelation 9 are. Uh, I, I also don't know how things necessarily fit together. There's, there's some things about this, the, the, the end time and the return that, that frankly befuddle me and kind of confuse me. I mean, I know it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, but do, do the unsaved get to remain on earth for like the millennial reign of, of Christ? Uh, and, and some of you probably don't even know where I'm talking about, but, but those of you who do, uh, you know, Isaiah talks about when Christ comes back, says, I'll create a new heaven and a new earth. And, and then it lists a bunch of really cool things. And one of the things that it says is the days of my people will be like the days of a tree. Well, trees don't live forever. And so what's up with that? I don't, I don't, quite know what that's what that's about uh, and then at the end of the thousand year reign satan is released from the pit and and there's a rebellion i mean why would why would there be a rebellion at the end of that there there are things that kind of kind of confuse me uh, when does heaven appear when 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 do we the saved go to heaven but but it doesn't overt, overtly concern me all that much because i see parallels between this and the, the passages that were written about Messiah before he came. I mean, imagine uh, if you're in that period of time before Messiah comes and you're, and you're reading about Messiah and he's this great king, in fact, the greatest king who's ever been and he is going to reign forever and ever and he's also going to be despised and rejected by men and tortured to death. He's going to go... Now, on this side of it, we look at it and go, hey, we got, all right, I, we see how that fit together. And when we get to the other side of this other stuff, I think we'll be able to look back and go, well, yeah, but we're not on that other side yet. And so, you know, there's, there's a, it, it, it seems that, uh, you know, we, uh, we don't like, uh, we, we, we don't like uncertainty. Whoops, sorry about that. Uh, get those goats out of there. Uh, well, the, the parable today contains things that I, I'm just kind of, uh, it brings up these kind of issues for me. I mean, when, when is this? You know, when is this? This is when, when, when he comes in his glory. Now, that would seem to be before the thousand year reign starts or at the beginning of it. And yet there are those who go to eternal damnation at that point in time. Uh, so, so how does this fit in with the, with the great white throne judgment at the end when, I, you know, 
And is salvation by faith? Is it about faith or is it about works? We got some works things seemingly going on here. We don't, we don't like uncertainty. Uh, we're attracted to the unexplained, except when it comes to God. When it comes to God, we want everything explained. We, we, you know, we, want, we want to know all the answers are, we're not, you know, we're not on board. Uh, we, tend to, we tend to feel that way. And it may be because he is the ultimate un, unexplained. It may be because he truly is wonderful, full of wonder. And you know what? I'm okay with a God who's full of wonder. I'm, I'm okay with a God who is smarter than me. So here's what I do when I come to perplexing places in the Scripture, when I come to places where, um, and this is news you can use, okay? If you're going to read the Bible, th- this, is, this is some information that, that you can just uh, uh, file away, and, and when, when the need arises, pull it out. When, when I come to places that I don't understand, uh, I, what, what you need to do is you need to focus on the parts you understand and leave the rest for further revelation from the Holy Spirit. Later on down the road. You know, there are things in there that you do understand. Okay, focus on that. And the part that you don't... And we, we're, we tend to be drawn to the part that we don't understand. Boy, got to figure this out. Well, let's just focus on... Sometimes you have to leave it. Come back. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. I mean, he actually... Have you ever had a... Have you ever read a passage of Scripture that the Holy Spirit said something or some light got shed on it or something went boom and you had read that verse before again and again and again and again. But this time, this time, it goes boom. That's, that's, sometimes that's what you have to do. Uh, why would, well, you know, if I, if I don't understand anything, why would I want to keep reading it? Because a word from the Lord is more precious than gold. It, it is a precious, valuable thing to have. It, it's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. It's what we should desire. Back in uh, 84, 85, when we went to Zimbabwe, uh, it was late December of 84 when we got the word, yeah, you can go. And about six months later, we were there. All right. And during that six months, Our oldest daughter spent 10 days in the hospital with spinal meningitis. Uh, We managed to raise two-thirds of the money that we needed each month. And we sold everything that we owned because we didn't have any other way to get the money to get over there. And I'm not saying that so you can go, wow, y'all are really special. Because, you know, as I look back on it, I go, wow, we were really special. But in the middle of it, we had a word from God. There was never a time, and I think Margaret will agree with me. I didn't talk to her about this sermon. Before, but there was never a time that we went, you think we're doing the right thing? You, th- you think we've made the right decision? You, you think, th- no, we had a word. And when you get a word from God, you got something. You, you got something that's more precious than gold. You got, you got something that, that just takes uncertainty and blows it away. And so focus on what you understand. And, you know, the the other will come if it needs to. And let let me tell you something. You're going to die not knowing all of the answers. So it won't all come, but but some will that needs to. And then the second thing is this. Don't let the part you don't understand 
keep you from accessing the part you do understand. See, we use that as an excuse. We kind of go, well, I don't understand that, so I don't have to do that. That's just dumb. How many of you understand? How many of you can do calculus? I would like a show of hands. You know, it's always surprising who's able to do calculus in a room. And it's always under 10%. Okay. So the rest of you can't do calculus, huh? Don't let that keep you from doing arithmetic. You know, just because you can't do calculus doesn't mean that, you know, hey, that was, that was $2, I gave you a 5, that means I need to get one, two, three back. You know, you... You, you, you do that all the time, even though you don't maybe know the, the higher part. And listen, higher math is really important because if it wasn't for higher math, there would be no um, a, a binary code, no Zelda, no... no uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what can we learn from this, from this passage? What can we learn? Well, here... Three things for sure. One is there will be a judgment day. There will be one. It's, it, it, is, it is coming. Uh, there are several judgments that are mentioned in Scripture, and, and, and I used to think that I knew how they all fit together and what each one was about and who was going to be at, at, at which one and everything. I, I don't think that I can necessarily explain that now. But there's going to be one. And, and what I do know is that there will be a, a day of reckoning that will sort things out. And that, that has two very impactful things for my life. One, it means I don't have to sort things out. I need to care about justice, but it's not up to me to bring justice. You know, I, I need to care. Uh, you know, retribution uh, is something that really I shouldn't even care about because the truth of the matter is when it says vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He's the only one who loves us enough to be able to handle vengeance. I don't love people enough to be able to handle vengeance, to, to be able to handle retribution. But he can, but he can do that and, and it will happen. And it also means that what I do and what others do, what you do, it means it matters. It matters. Because if there wasn't a day of reckoning, a day of judgment, then it wouldn't matter. But because there is, it does matter. So, so we, we know from this that there's, there's going to be a judgment day. We also can, uh, can pull out of this that there is an eternal reward to be gained and an eternal damnation to be avoided. When I was, uh, when I was a child, uh, hardly a Sunday went by when I didn't hear about heaven and hell. And mostly hell, because that was the one that we knew the most about, I guess, at the point in time. Uh, and it was kind of, on one level, it was unhealthy because we thought we knew the answers. You know, when you think you know, well, this one's going and that one's going and this, this is, you know, that, that can take you to some unhealthy places. But it's very healthy to keep in mind there's a heaven to be gained there's a hell to be shunned. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not talking, you know, uh, to you, Gilberto. I'm not talking, you know, to you, Tina. I'm talking to me. There's a heaven to be gained. There's a hell to be shunned. It's, it's important to, uh, to, to keep that in mind, to keep that in view. Uh, a number, a lot of monasteries, um, 
and people who live in monastic life will have an open grave. And the reason that they have an open grave is that every day they want to pass by that and remember. That's where I'm going. There's a, there, there's a future. Churches used to have graveyards around them. What a wonderful thing. Seriously, on, on a whole bunch of different levels. There's, there's the family connection. There's great-grandpa and, and, and grandma and, and, and mom and dad, and that's where I'm going, and then our kids will be there someday. You know, that, there's that connection, but then there's also the, there's something beyond this life. There's, there's something to look at beyond this life, and that's, that's important. And you kind of go, well, you know, I already knew that. But we tend to lose the certainty. The certainty of this truth as we kind of blunder around in this, in this haze of the immediate illusion that's right in front of us. And this is important, and this is important, and this is important, when really, this is just missed. And that's important. Well, maybe, you know, maybe we'll get another chance. You know, maybe there'll be, you know, like we'll be reincarnated or something. The Bible doesn't say anything about reincarnation. Yeah. Well, actually, it doesn't mention that word, maybe because it doesn't exist. It actually does say that it's appointed unto people to die once. And after that, to face judgment. That sounds pretty definitive right there. That's Hebrews 9.27, by the way, in case you need to look that up. And some may need to look that up. Well, maybe we'll be transported to a different dimension. Uh, we're going to be transported to a different dimension, all right. I'll tell you that, regardless of, of what your destination is. It'll be a different dimension. Maybe nothing will happen. How futile. And, and, and really, I, I don't know about you, but I know that there's a consciousness inside of me. Whether, whether you call it spirit or whether you call it soul or, or, or what you may call it, there is a consciousness inside of me that is not tied to my biological shell that I walk around in. And when this biological shell isn't still happening, I don't know, I don't think that's going to extinguish that consciousness that's in there. And this parable tells us that there will be a judgment, there is an after, and it gives meaning and purpose to my life. I know that. And then thirdly, this parable tells us what God cares about. Especially us religious people. You know, I mean, we, we got all kinds of ideas about what God cares about, and it strangely lines up with what we care about. But this tells us what God actually does care about. Because the difference between the sheep and the goats boils down to this. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something. And, and notice that word. It does not say, I was hungry and you sold me some food. I was thirsty and you let me buy something to drink. That's says you gave me. 
I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to, came to visit me. God is a provider. God is a provider. You know, when, when, uh, when the children of Israel, it says that he reigns on the just and on the unjust. And when, when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness and, and water came forth from the rock and manna rained down from, from heaven and, and, and the quail came, I don't think that they formed a line and said, okay, who's been good this week? You get a basket. You, get, you don't get a basket. You get a basket. You, you get to drink some of this. You don't get to drink some of this. No, God is a provider. Satan is a thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when Jesus was hungry, Satan handed him a rock and said, do some work. I'm just going to pause for a second. Work on this. You'll get your food. God is a provider. And he says, you know, this is what I care about. And... You, yeah, I'm just going to go there. See, it doesn't just say that he gathered, he gathered nations together. Peoples. Now, I don't know if he separated them by nations or if he separated them by people, but he cares about what we do with the hungry and the thirsty. And it's something that we should care about. He cares how we treat the stranger. Can anyone truly be a stranger to the creator of all mankind? If he knew me in the womb, if he knew you in the womb, then I think there's a good possibility that he knows that, knew that teenager in Mumbai in the womb. It knew, knew that gal in, in Brussels. Knew, knew that guy in Beijing. Knew every person on this planet, in the womb, that we tend to treat as strangers. You know, it's the insecure and the threatened who are fearful and shun those who are not like themselves. How many of you are in junior high? I'm asking a question. How many of you are in junior high? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. God bless you. God love you. I'm serious. That's a tough time in life for a lot of people. You know, it will get better. Probably. <laughs> no, no, no. It, yeah, it, it will get better. But one of the reasons why junior high is, is so tough, you know, is you're, you're, you're making this trans. Usually you're making a transition in terms of where you're going to school, but you're also making a, a, a transition in your life. I mean, things are changing. Uh, you're discovering things that you that you didn't know before, and and it, I don't know if you if you go if you go to school or something. Are there any like cliques or people who you, you know? Are, I mean, there's the cool people, right? And and there's the nerds and there's the athletes and I don't know what else there may be. You know, groups kind of get. Do y'all remember that? I mean. That, that kind of happening. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes kind of tough to get in with one of those groups. And, and it seems like it's kind of tough to get in with one of those groups because they're so cool and there's something wrong with me. 
The truth is, they're scared. They're scared. They're just as insecure as the person who doesn't have a group. They really are. That's why, that's why we tend to, to push the stranger aside, because they're not like us, and we don't know. I mean, what am I going to talk to them about? You know, or, or, that's, that's what happens in our lives, and God says, oh, welcome them in. This last week, uh, our grandson, <laughs> Jack, I'm going to brag about him, yeah, the, the, the teacher contacted his parents and said, you know, he's just a loving, kind kid. And if I've got somebody who's being left out, or if I've got somebody who's feeling bad that day, I put them by him. And, and I just go, yeah. I mean, that's better than straight A's. I mean, the kid's bright. I'm sure he'll be making straight A's when they start giving those things out. But that's better and that, you know, to have that gift, to, to, to be able to, to welcome and make people feel a part. God cares about how we treat the poor and what, what we do with the poor. You know, each, each week, and I would say if, I'm, if I have no clothes, that's poor. So that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Each week we do the, the, the dollar for those in need. We used to call it the dollar for the poor, but we didn't want anybody to think they were poor. But, you know, I mean, that, it's not forever. You, you know, it'll, it, you, people hit rough spots sometimes. You need to go on. And, and we do the $1 for the poor, and we do it for two reasons. We do it because everybody can participate, okay, you know, I mean, even if you, I mean, you might find a dollar in the parking lot on, on the way here. I mean, if, you're, if you want to look, if you want to bother to look, and if not, there's plenty of people here that if you just would bother to ask, hey, man, I forgot to bring my dollar for the poor. Can you give me a dollar? There it is. You know, if they actually have money with them. But we do it. Because God cares about the poor, and I want everybody in the church to have to think about it every week and do it. And do it. And there's a tendency to despise it because it's just a dollar. Whoever is faithful with little will be faithful with much. Whoever is unfaithful with little will be unfaithful with much. It's important to not despise. It's important to be faithful with little. Yeah, one dollar is not going to make a huge difference in whether or not we can help somebody pay their rent. Okay? But it will make a huge difference in your life, if you think about it each week and go, this is something I need to do because this is something God does. This is something He cares about. He cares about how we treat the sick as a nation and as individuals. He cares about how we treat the sick. What kind of treatment do we offer them? Uh, and whose responsibility is it? Uh, yes, God is a healer. In fact, every healing that happens 
whether doctors and hospitals are involved or not, happens because God is a healer. Okay? But he's also a comforter. So it says over in 2 Corinthians, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Why does he need to be a comforter if he's just going to take care of everything? Ma'am. There used to be a lady in, in the church here. She passed away. I I, somebody asked me what year it was, and I, I don't remember. Maybe somebody here will know because a few of you would remember Kathy Manzer. And, and Kathy, Kathy was remarkable. She was born blind, uh, and God healed her. Now, she, she didn't have the greatest eyesight. I mean, the, it was kind of Coke bottle glasses, but she could see, and she had been born stone blind, and God had touched her and healed her. And she had basically... Every affliction and disease known to mankind, and I mean it, the serious stuff. And there were, during the times that I knew her, I mean, she would come this close to, well, she's not going to make it. She didn't make it. She's not going to make it this time. She didn't make it. You know, God touched her and, and did, did things for her uh, oftentimes. And, you know, and I'd pray for her healing, and, and I'd see things, but... There would be people who would come to see her, her, her Christian friends who'd come to see her, you know, and, yeah, and they, they'd pray for her too, but they'd also let her know the reason you're here is because you don't have enough faith to get up and get out of this hospital. You know, and I just wanted to kick them in their blessed assurance. <laughs> yeah, God can heal, but at the same point in time, Miserable comforters are you all. God has comforted me so I can comfort you. And yeah, I would pray for, but I would also go, Kathy, God's got you. It's going to be okay. You don't have to be afraid. He's here. He loves you. I love you. I was sick. And you visited me. And then, and then he says, I, I was in prison. What a strange one to end with. What, what a strange thing to hear God say. I was in prison. Well, all those people in prison, now, you know, there's a reason why they're there. Yeah, there is. And it's sometimes because they did something that they need to be in prison about. You know. <laughs> Experience. <laughs> but probably in many cases, it's because they didn't have enough money to hire the lawyer that the uh, the guy who had the money hired to get off or even something worse. And sometimes, it, it, sometimes they really are innocent. But regardless of why they're there, or if they should be there, you know, God doesn't go into that. He just says, I was in prison. And you forgot about me. You didn't care about me anymore. Now, I don't think this means that we need to be, that, we, that you're supposed to do all these things all the time. I mean, you know, you could, get, you could get a little weird behind all this. But this is what matters to God, and we should be doing some of these things some of the time, and when it comes to our attention, we, sh that we should be on board with, with, what's, with what's happening here and what, what God wants. Verse 40, the king says, 
Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You, you, you were doing for me the children, the foreigner, the poor, the destitute, the, the depressed, the least of these are all an opportunity to, to minister directly to Jesus. Just as much as Mary bringing in a pint of pure nard and pouring it over his head on the night before he went to the cross. You know, you can't go, man, I would have loved to have done that. Do it. Do it. And this fast-paced atmosphere of concerts and and stock markets and elections and 24-hour entertainment and mega churches and mega markets and mega vitamins and mega deals. And uh, it, it is so, so, so easy for us to uh, lose our way and forget what's really important. Do not despise the least of these because that's who God is. That's Him. 